is Actually You Are a Real Runner with Jacqueline Riccio. Hey, so excited to catch up with you guys. Uh, the last few weeks have been crazy. I mean, the whole the last year of my life has been <laughs> turned upside down. But the last few weeks have been a lot of fun. I was in LA a few weekends ago meeting up with my business coach and um, the other woman in my mastermind. Um, it was just so great to be surrounded by like other strong, powerful women who like everyone has something different. Everyone has different strengths and different weaknesses and to just kind of like meet up and talk and like work things out was so great and kind of create a new vision for what it is that I want to accomplish in my business this year and next year and the following year. Um, I've never had like a five-year plan or 10-year plan or anything because um, even when I first started teaching, like I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't imagine doing this. I can't imagine doing this. So I like, I struggled a lot, but I also didn't know what else was out there. And so it's really cool, um, to be a part of something and create it and like have a vision of where it's going. So one of the things that I decided I do want to do is a meetup, um, a retreat, some workshops around all of the things that I talk about on the podcast, but really going into depth. So I'll give you more details on that as it comes up. It'll be in Chicago. So if you're local, great. If you're not, that's okay. There are plenty of Airbnbs, but more details as um, that comes about. And then this past weekend, ran my first long distance race since the marathon of 2017. So as you know, last year we were traveling a ton. We had like two road trips, went to Thailand. We moved from Atlanta. Um, there was no official like long distance races. There was some 5Ks and I think like an 8K or something in there, but um, nothing official. So ran 10 miles on the lakefront in Chicago. It was beautiful. The weather was amazing. Um, as you know, I've been doing interval training, um, Galloway's method. So it just felt good to like always know that I had this break to look forward to like for my body. And it was hard. Um, it was not an easy race. When I first started the first quarter mile, my quad started to hurt. And I was like, are you serious? Like I just spent all this time driving here. I'm just like, my leg hurts already. So I gave myself permission to walk off the race if I needed to. And I was a little embarrassed. I was like, Oh my gosh, like what if, what if, you know, what if so-and-so sees me? What if, and then I was like, I don't know anyone here. And even if I did know someone and I explained, you know, I don't even have to explain myself, but like, seriously, I knew in my head, um, if my leg continues to hurt and it's super uncomfortable to the point that this is not safe for my body and I'm going to do more damage than, um, benefit than walking off the course is the right thing. And it's not shameful or anything. It's just what I have to do for my body. So thinking long-term instead of short-term, but like, Hey, I have to be in this body for the rest of my life and for the rest of the spring and summer. And I don't want to damage it with a race. Um, so I gave myself that permission. And so I was really listening and like feeling and sorting things out as I was running. Um, and it, everything was fine. It was great. Um, the race was 10 miles and it just felt so great to be outside and in the sun. This winter has been really hard being back in the Midwest, just definitely not used to this, um, coming from Atlanta for the last three years. And that's where I did, you know, when I started running, you know, really seriously, <clears throat> all of the running was in Atlanta. So just kind of getting used to this, these, uh, Midwest winters, um, has been tough. And then, uh, it, it snowed, it snowed on Sunday. So just kind of a lot, um, 
a lot happening here. But the other cool thing too was that this was really the first race that I wasn't bribing myself with food. And um, what I mean by that is every time that I have done marathon training, um, I'd have to like bribe myself and like tell myself, once you get to mile four, you can eat your goo or your dried fruit or protein bar or whatever it was that I had with me. Once you get to mile four, once you get to mile eight, once you get to mile 12, whatever. Um, and so I would have that in my mind. And so food was the thing I was like bribing myself to get going and, you know, to keep going like, Oh, you know, you'll get to have this treat. Um, this one was just, it was really low key. I just was like, okay, cool. I'm running. Um, I was, I listened to two podcasts because I love podcasts. Um, and then the last part of the race, I just took my headphones out and just enjoyed the sights and the sounds of being on the lakefront. And, um, I ended up, I think I had some dried fruit, like a, like these little sticks that I've gotten they're like 30 cents or 50 cents or something. And it's basically just like pressed dried fruit. Um, and I had Gatorade, but like there was no me like eating tons of goo or tons of whatever. It was just like really, I don't know. It was really interesting. It was just the first time that I was running and was super in tune with my body and didn't have to use food to bribe myself. Um, but just like fuel was what I, you know, took in to keep myself going. And I don't want to, if you are someone that is using food to bribe yourself, I don't want to say like, Oh my gosh, you're so bad. Like, um, I think that we have to do what we have to do in the moment. And you know, if our goal eventually is to not use food to bribe ourselves, that's cool. But like in the moment, like if that's what you have to do right now, that's what you have to do. And I'm not going to judge that. I think about when I went to school, my liberal arts college, you know, was really on like developing relationships with students, my education, my undergrad, um, really on developing relationships with students so that you didn't have to use sticker charts and you didn't have to use, um, behavior stoplights and whatever. And, um, sometimes <laughs> the, the, the situation isn't what we can handle and we have to use tools that get us to where we want to be. So like, yeah, like first year of teaching definitely bribed students with stickers. And I also remember feeling super guilty about it. And I remember a professor Pat Shea was like, you have to do what you have to do and it's fine. It is okay. These kids have survived these sticker charts. It will be fine. Is that, you know, the type of teacher that you want to be the rest of your life? Probably not. This will be okay. And so sometimes we can get that like permission, like, Hey, you're okay. We're all kind of on this journey and figuring things out as we go. And it's tough. It's tough. Um, when we have this idea of who we want to be, and then we're not able to be that person on the first round, it's totally okay. We're moving along, along, but yeah, so it was pretty cool to just be running the race and enjoying it. Um, and ha giving myself that permission that if it ever got painful, that it was not good for me that I could walk off and it, you know, it ended up being fine. There was this awful hill, like right at the end. If you've ever run in Chicago, you know, Chicago is pretty flat compared to Atlanta, but Chicago is um, pretty flat. And so when there is a hill, you're just like, Oh my gosh, where did this come from? Why is this here? And they always seem to put the hill right at the end of the race. I swear. Um, I've run races downtown where you're like coming up on one of those 
bridges like in the south loop and heading north um to grant park and there's like this little bit of an incline it's probably you probably can't even call it a hill it's like a little bit of an incline but you're just so used to everything being flat that this little bit of an incline is like what the heck is this versus atlanta everything in atlanta is a hill like the whole like oh i walked up uphill both ways like that's atlanta yeah every bit of it awful super hard um also really amazing for your legs but yeah so Today we're going to talk about, as we're talking about food a lot, we're going to talk about how to have one cookie without having 12, without one cookie turning into 12, or without one cookie turning into an extra large pizza and everything in your pantry and just everything. And the thing is, as you know, we've talked about, it's not really about the cookie. Like sometimes people say, like, oh, I'm addicted to sugar. And it's like, cool. Right, but why? Like, why? Like, right? Like, why am I addicted to social media? Why do I keep right? So we can we can delete an app off of our phone. We can take cookies out of our house, but there's like something else that's happening there that's kind of like allowing this thing to keep happening. And a lot of times we'll trade one addiction for another, and we'll trade like one compulsion for another. Um, and sometimes, again, that's kind of what we have to do. We talk about this a lot with my clients. And they're like, oh, I'm stressed eating and I feel so bad about it. And it's like, you know, like it's not the best thing to be doing for ourselves. But sometimes we have to take the, well, no, all the time. We have to be doing A to B actions and not A to Z. Um, a to Z is really, really hard. Um, and we're not always going to be able to do it. And so sometimes doing the A to B actions will help us get there. I think it was in the book, The Slight Edge, they talked about how, um, or maybe it was The Compound Effect. I can't remember. They're both very similar. But like some people learn how to swim by like their parents taking them and throwing them into the ocean and being like, all right, swim, right? So that your options are sink or swim. And some people learn to swim by gradually walking into a wading pool and things like being like very gradual and easy and, you know, kind of building up that strength slowly. And I don't think either way is right. I just think that the throwing ourselves into the ocean and like trying to survive is really hard to apply to life because it isn't life or death like that. And we get overwhelmed and we're not able to do those actions all the time. And then we kind of regress. So these really small A to B actions, kind of like I talked about with, um, you know, bribing myself with food in the beginning. And now it's slowly like, okay, I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to do that anymore. I can let go of that. This, that I don't need to do that. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk about how to have one cookie without having 12. And so if you're familiar with imperfect eating, I talk about the three M's and the three M's are mindset. So that's M number one is mindset. M number two is meals. And M number three is movement. And so we're not going to talk about movement today. We're going to, well, I guess we already did. But we're going to talk more about meals and mindset, mindset and meals. And so usually when we're talking about food, we think it's just about the food. We think it's just about the cookies. It's just about the pizza, right? But it really has to do with our mindset, um, the story that we have. So the stories, the things that we say in our head over and over and over and over, those are our beliefs about ourselves. And we can kind of... Um, get some insight into our beliefs based on what we say about ourselves. So for someone that says something like, you know, um, I, when I get home from work, I just binge, I just eat everything in sight. It's kind of like we're, 
we already have that belief about ourselves. So nothing else is possible. Um, if you listen to my episode with Lauren Graham, we kind of talked about this a little bit. Um, our actions are going to follow our beliefs about ourselves, our mindset. Um, our, our actions won't, it, we, we, we won't do actions that aren't in line with our, with our beliefs, or we won't repeatedly do them. Um, if we do repeatedly do actions, we have to change our beliefs about ourselves in order to keep up with those actions. So if we have the belief that like, okay, if I have a little bit of cookies, I'm going to have a lot of bit of cookies. We're going to keep repeating that action. So we want to actually change our belief. And, um, this is something I did three years ago. Three years ago is when I stopped doing Whole30. Um, I think it was April of 2016 when I finally felt felt confident in myself to like name it and say it like I am no longer a perfect eater. I am no longer a binge eater. I am no longer a clean eater. I like put this out there and part of it was just like me trying to encourage myself to believe it but also to tell people like Whole30 messed me up. This like on off switch with food messed me up. So I am practicing how to not be a binge eater. I just want to be a normal eater. I just want to be an imperfect eater. And um, once I put that out there, I'm no longer a binge eater. I'm just an imperfect, normal eater. My actions follow along with that. So if you notice you saying to yourself, I'm just a binge eater. I can't have one cookie. I can only have 12 and then I have a pizza and then I have this. You really want to notice those things that you're saying because you're kind of letting yourself off the hook. Like your actions are just going to keep following that. So you might create a new belief about yourself. Um, I can have one cookie. I can have a single serving. Um, I can do these things. I can do hard things. I can change myself. Um, I am the creator of, you know, the things that happen in my life. So you really want to kind of take on that responsibility and not just let these things play out. If you don't adjust your mindset and you don't adjust the things that you're saying to yourself, your actions are going to follow the old belief set. It's so interesting because I keep getting these ads for these like sprays that you put on your tongue to block like sugar to like block sweetness so that if you eat something sweet, it tastes really gross. There's like a pill that like coats your tongue and like a spray and I get it. Like it's kind of one of those quick fixes, but it's like, you also have to have the willpower to put that on your tongue every time. And then just think about the, the lack of trust that you are creating there. You're telling yourself, you know, I can't trust myself around sugar. I have to do this thing to prevent myself from having the sugar. It might be one of those sticker charts, you know, for a little bit. Maybe that's what you have to do. But eventually, eventually you have to like really adjust your beliefs about yourself with sugar, with cookies. Um, because I don't know, can you imagine being, can you imagine taking that, that pill or whatever or spraying your tongue for the rest of your life? If you don't want to do that for the rest of your life, you have to, you have to change. You have to change your beliefs and that's going to help you change your actions around sugar. So that's the first thing. That is M1 um, mindset. You have to change your beliefs about it. And we're going to get back to them in a second. The second thing let's look at is meals, nutrition, the food that you're eating. Um, a lot of times we end up eating a crap ton of sugar because we haven't eaten anything during the day. 
um, currently, as I'm recording this, I'm sitting next to a pantry full of sugar, cabinets full of sugar, um, cookies, uh, honey. <laughs> There's literally honey sitting next to me, sugar, um, uh, coffee creamer uh, with tons of sugar. Like there is sugar right next to me. And the reason I'm not gorging on this sugar that maybe I would have done in the past is because, well, my mindset, I, I don't do that. I, I'm someone that can be around sugar. I have that belief about myself. And two, I eat food. Like I, I, I eat the food my body needs. So I've had water to drink. I had a green smoothie. Later in the day, I'm not going to be gorging on sugar, you know, in eating a bunch of cookies because I will have eaten a salad with protein, right? So my, my the three Ps, my plants, my protein. So maybe that's a veggie patty, maybe that's edamame, maybe that's some chicken, something. And then I'm probably going to have like some crunched up tortilla chips on there or something, something to make it fun. Maybe some um, feta cheese, some sort of processed thing that makes the meal fun and enjoyable and filling. So when I'm looking at meals, my goals are to be energized, not in a food coma. I want to be satisfied instead of continuously searching. I'm not satisfied by my meal. If I'm eating like bland chicken breast with steamed broccoli and brown rice, that's not satisfying. I'm going to be continuously searching. I'm going to be like in the cabinet searching for something. Um, that's a little bit more fun, right? So I want to be satisfied by my meal. I want to experience it. So I'm going to eat it slowly. I'm not just going to like, you know, throw it down and like eat it in two seconds. And so I don't want that mindless, um, that mindless occurrence with food. I want to experience it. And I want it to add health and not add stress. So that's what I'm looking at when I'm eating meal. So I'm going to make sure I eat food. I know in the past when um, the idea of health health seems like a luxury, like eating food or taking care of my body seems like a luxury. Um, I wouldn't eat all day when I was a teacher or I'd eat like, I don't know, hot pockets or pizza rolls or something. So I would come home and eat all of the cookies, eat all of the cake. Um, we used to eat raw cookie dough. Like I would put like half the cookies in the oven and eat the other half raw and somehow not get sick from it, right? So like I, I didn't know how to eat one cookie. I only ate 12 plus a billion other things because, um, I didn't eat all day long. I was hungry. Um, eating cookies was like the fastest source of calories that my body could get, like the easiest to digest when it's 7 PM and you get home from work and you haven't eaten anything, your body's not like, okay, cool. Let me like make this salad. That's going to take me 20 minutes to chew. No, you're like, oh my gosh, get food into my body, get calories into my body. Um, the fastest thing I'm going to get is like, you know, processed carbs and sugar, just like get into my bloodstream, hurry up. Right. So making sure that we actually eat during our day is super important. And I think I, um, in my course, I talk about like, we've learned stuff from all of the diets that we've done. I learned something from Whole30. Her 30 is not the way that I can eat for the rest of my life, but I learned like, hey, actually you have to eat during the day. No more of this not eating all day so that you can gorge in the evening. That's what I used to do. I'm not going to eat all day and then I'm going to use all my calories up in the end of the day. Great. That <laughs> never worked out really well. Always went overboard. Body was like searching. It was just like a famine all day. So then there was a feast at night. I'm going overboard because I know tomorrow I'm going to be starving myself during the day. So like going from this feast and famine constantly. So Whole30 did teach me 
hey, actually space out your meals. Help, you know, help your body, right? Kind things, right? Um, Whole30 did not teach me how to have cookies. That's how I, you know, what I had to teach, had to teach myself and what I help um, you guys and my clients do is I want you to be able to have one cookie without having 12. So let's go over this again, and then we're going to get to a little bit more tactical. So one, your mindset needs to be, I am the type of person who can have one cookie. If you tell yourself, I can only have 12, that's the action you're going to get. So you have to change that belief. Two, you need to make sure that you eat food, your meals. Make sure that you're giving your body nutritious foods, right? Okay, so we got those things covered. And now comes the practice part, right? So let's pretend we eat a day, you know, a day of eating. You've eaten food. It's the end of the evening. This is what I used to do. I actually didn't, um, pretty much didn't eat sugar throughout the day, cookies or whatever, especially when I was first starting. I did not trust myself. Um, and so I would have um, a single serving dessert at the end of the evening, okay? Um, and so I would have that. And if I wasn't satisfied, maybe I'd let myself have another single serving dessert. So by that, I mean, I would have um, like two Girl Scout cookies. And I'm serious when I say this. Like I would have two Girl Scout cookies um, and I'll walk away. Oh man, I really want another serving drink a glass of water, let myself have another serving, not judge it. Um, walk away, have a glass of water. If I'm going back constantly to have more servings of cookies, here's my learning opportunity. So you can write this down. But so something happens. So that's one. Something happens, right? So I'm going back and I'm getting more servings of cookies. Something happens. Two, we make meaning of it. So write that down. Something happens, one, two, we make meaning of it. So the meaning I can choose is I'm a binge eater. I can't have enough cookies, right? That might be, or I can't have, you know, a single serving of cookies. I'm addicted to sugar. That might be the meaning that I draw from the thing that happened. And if that's the meaning that I draw and that's the belief that I have of myself, we can see, well, okay, cool. If my belief about myself is like, I'm a binge eater, I can only have a million cookies, my actions are going to continue to follow that. So here's my opportunity is to like, huh, interesting. I keep telling myself that. Now we get to rewrite it. What if this thing happened and I choose a different meaning? I rewrite the meaning. So what if something happens? I keep going back and getting more cookies. We make meaning. Oh, wait a second. I forgot to eat during the day. I haven't had any, um, any water during the day. I didn't drink anything. Maybe that's the meaning. My body is searching for something, and I'm giving it sugar, but I'm not actually sure that it's sugar that it wants. Or maybe the meaning is, this is practice. I've never done this before. This is the first time that I'm practicing in a very um, regimented way of how to have sugar. I've never done this before. So this is new to me. So it's like, there's this novelty of allowing myself to eat sugar without judging it. There's this novelty. I might end up having three, four servings of cookies, five servings of cookies. I'm not going to judge it. I'm just going to allow it. Okay. And then usually what, what happens, I mean, usually we think like, no, no, no this is so bad. I'm such a bad person. But has calling yourself a bad person actually helped you? Like, has it helped you in the long run? When you're seven years old, do you still want to have a 
shitty relationship with cookies and with sugar and your body and yourself. You still want to be saying these shitty things to yourself when you're seven years old. If you don't want that relationship with yourself when you're 70 years old, you have to do something about it now. Okay. So instead of telling yourself you're a bad person, let it go. Like, okay, cool. Interesting. I'm having four servings of cookies. Maybe the meaning of this is not that you're a binge either. Maybe the meaning of this is that this is new. This is practice. This is what happens. Okay. So something happens. We make meaning of it. We can rewrite that meaning. We can change it. Usually for me, um, nowadays I notice that if I am going back to get more cookies, it is because, um, I haven't eaten during the day or when I talk about like my goals for the meals and like having an experience versus it being mindless, it's usually that I've eaten whatever it is way too fast. Like I just shoved it in my mouth and didn't even experience the food, didn't like taste it. It was a mindless like occurrence. So usually that's what happens. So the thing, the, the meaning or like, right, is, oh, I, I, uh, I ate that a little bit too fast. I'm going to slow down. Not, I'm a bad person. I'm a binge eater. I'm never going to be able to do this again and like fall down their rabbit hole, right? So how to have one cookie, how to eat one cookie and not 12. We're going to make sure that our mindset is strong. We have this belief that we can do hard things. We can do things that we've never done before. We can rewrite our stories. We, we have to have that belief. We're, we're always kindergartners. We're always learning new things, right? Even as adults, it's okay that we mess up. We're learning new things, right? Um, I love this at the conference I went to. Um, they're uh, personal trainers. Most of the women that are there are personal trainers. And this idea of reps, right? Like we have to keep going and we, we go till failure. The most successful people are people that have failed more than us. They just put in more reps. When you put in more reps, you're going to fail more. If anyone, if you're listening to this and you're in sales, you know that you, you've just talked to more people than the newbies. You've talked to more people. Um, teachers, um, we know that if, if you're the best teachers are people that have been teaching the longest, right? They've tried more things. They've, they've been okay that things aren't going to work out the best. That's okay. Um, when we're afraid to try things, we don't even give a shot. We don't get those reps in. We don't get that practice. We don't get that learning opportunity. Learning happens when we mess things up. Learning doesn't happen when things are always smooth sailing. Um, we learn so much when we mess up, but only if we, you know, we have this mindset about ourselves, this growth mindset that like actually, you know, messing something up is just a learning opportunity. If messing something up, if you decide to make that meaning of it, that you're a bad person, you suck, you're stupid, whatever, that's kind of the life you're going to continue living. So if messing up is your learning opportunity, you know, having 12 cookies allows you to learn from that instead of, like applying this label to yourself. Okay. So we're going to make sure that our mindset is strong. We have a growth mindset. We're kind to ourselves. Um, meals. We're going to make sure that we are fueling our bodies, making sure that we're eating enough plants, eating enough protein, practicing, having processed fun food, drinking enough water. Right. That's another thing I noticed, like, um, the, the times that I'm gravitating towards sweets is like, huh, did I drink any water today? Like, <laughs> like interesting, right? So we're going to do those things and then we're going to practice. We're going to have a serving. 
walk away, drink a glass of water, go do something else. Um, the other thing I noticed too is like with, uh, with stress eating sometimes, we can, you can kind of substitute things. You can put something else in there instead of having um, cookies with it. You could have um, something besides cookies. Um, you could realize that the thing that you're doing is stressful and decide to not have food with whatever you're doing. Um, but I think that this idea of like making it a longevity thing and thinking about what, what are the actions that you want to have around these foods when you're 50, 60, 70 years old? What are those things, right? And kind of taking that and applying it to now. So slowing down, thinking long-term, and not thinking that this has to be solved right now. It's not, it's not going to be solved just today. You're not going to, like, go and practice this today and it be solved. But it's going to take time. But, like, who is that person that you want to be when you're 50, 60, 70 years old? Okay? And then you're going to practice those things now and be okay that – that growth is slow. I, I say this over and over and over again. We are not moving from A to Z. We're moving from A to B. And then the new thing is A to B again, and then A to B. So it's like A to B, B to C, C to D. Um, when um, anything that we're learning, it's always moving like that. Very small things. Um, we, we see the longest and most sustainable growth when we do it slow like that, and we're okay, and we're not judging ourselves. Um, yeah. So, um, give that a shot, practice it, be okay, be okay that you're going to mess up. Um, if you don't mess up, um, and you do it perfectly, my guess is that you're actually restricting. So I'm going to say that again. If you listen to this podcast and you go and practice this for the next 30 days, and you don't mess up and one day randomly eat four, six, 12 cookies, my guess is that you're actually restricting and not learning how to eat for your body. There are going to be times that you binge or overeat in learning how to eat for your body. And you actually need those times of overeating or possibly binging to feel how uncomfortable it is and to like physically how uncomfortable your body feels. You need those things and you need those opportunities to see what in your day you messed up, what in your day you missed that you forgot to drink water. You have to feel what those things feel like in order to adjust and plan for the future. If you take this plan and you're like, okay, I'm only allowed to have two cookies a night and you do that for 30 days on day 31, maybe you have a party to go to, you're still, you, you're probably still going to feel really anxious about cookies, probably because you're just like, well, I just followed these rules. I should be solved. Everything should be fixed. You need those opportunities of messing up and that's hard and that's different because especially if you did whole 30, um, Whole30 is about um, being perfect for 30 days, eating perfect foods for 30 days. And if you messed up and you ate an imperfect food or in an imperfect quantity or whatever, you have to start over. The punishment for messing up is starting over on day one, right? So usually what happens on Whole30 is... <clears throat> If someone messed up and they had sugar or whatever, they had a cookie, 
um, they failed. They know I can't just continue on with where I'm at. I have to start over on day one. So they usually end up binging and eating everything in sight um, because the punishment is starting over day one. You, you messed up. So if the, 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 the next thing if the, with imperfect eating, if you eat 12 cookies, and 12 cookies doesn't mean that you're a failure, but rather 12 cookies means, huh, something happened, let's make a new meaning of it instead of I'm a failure. Eating 12 cookies means, oh, whoops, I just, you know, I didn't eat enough today. Um, I was falling back into the trap of the old mindset. You know, I had this belief about yourself, myself. Like I kept falling into the, that, um, listening, you know, listening to the thoughts in your head, that metacognition. I, I kept falling into that, those old ways of thinking, those old pathways, right? So this is, this is hard to realize that failing doesn't mean you're a failure, but rather failing means it's a learning opportunity. It's a little bit different. And sometimes that is really hard for people to grasp. But this is how you're eating for the rest of your life. This isn't how you're eating for 30 days, for 60 days, for 90 days. This is figuring out how you're going to eat for the rest of your life. And how you eat is not going to look exactly how I eat. And you, you can use my three Ps, you know, to kind of, figure out how you want to eat for your body. And then eventually you'll figure out like, actually, this is how I want to eat. And it might not be exactly how I eat and that's fine. And that's actually how it should be. Um, but yeah, so this is a lot different than just following a meal plan of like, oh, I'm allowed to eat. Um, I know when I did 21 day fix, uh, it was like, you are allowed to eat one processed yellow container um, three times a week. You can substitute your brown rice for um, chocolate-covered almonds three times a week, right? So there was this, like, limit, like this external thing, someone telling me exactly, but now it's like, oh, I'm creating these rules for myself. This is different. This is harder. This takes longer, but also this lasts longer because it, like, is the rest of your life, not just 21, 21 days or 30 days or 90 days. So, whew, that's fun. Um, I am going to put down in the show notes. If you are like, okay, but how do I do this? Like, how? Like, what's going on with this? I keep trying this. It's not working. Um, still have my uh, Intro to Imperfect Eating course. This is an emailed course. So first, we'll start off with a quick strategy call, 20-minute call. We're going to go over your goals, um, your struggles, because that's the big one. What are you struggling with? We can't move forward if we don't know what we're struggling with. And then you'll receive my emailed course. So this is short videos. I'm big on short learning because I don't think that we um, can withstand. We can't. We're busy. Like We need like short things. Um, and then questions to help guide you and some recipes and fun things in there. Um, so yeah, the link will be a low 80% off with the um, uh, coupon code running podcast in all caps. Um, and yeah, three weeks. I think that you will find it really beneficial. I have a couple gals um, from the podcast that just started. Um, and it's really fun to see kind of the transformation in our thinking about food and the, oh wait, I don't have to keep being mean to myself for the rest of my life. What's that like? Um, that question, what's that like, has really fueled, fueled so many of 
um, the decisions that I've made in my life. When I've seen someone else's life and not compared myself to like put myself down, but just like a curious, right? We want to approach things with curiosity and not judgment, but just, uh, huh, what's that like? I've never experienced that before. What's that like? And I just got to say that this, this place of not being fearful around food, um, not having to bribe myself with running with food and just being okay, you know, being able to go on a road trip twice, being able to go to Thailand, being able to stay with my in-laws, being able to go to my parents' house, being able to go um, to my co-working spot or go out over the weekend and not fear food and not have to look ahead. Like I never look ahead at what's on the menu unless I'm like picking the restaurant and find a trying to find a good place, but I never have to fear, will they have something I'm allowed to eat? I'm allowed to eat whatever the heck I want. And I figure out what I want to eat based on what's there and how I'm feeling. Um, it feels so great. Uh, that freedom. I, I see a lot of programs out there that describe themselves as food freedom. And then the first thing they tell you to do is start tracking macros okay, how is that food freedom? Like tracking things on an app. That might be a tool to get there, but that's not food freedom. Like tracking food on an app for the rest of your life is not food freedom. Or there's, um, there's someone that reached out to me to be on the podcast and um, I checked out her website and I was like, I don't think this is the right fit. You talk about food freedom and the very first thing you talk about is cutting sugar out of your diet. Um, being afraid of sugar is not food freedom. Um, at all, like being able to sit next to some sugar and not eat all of the sugar because I don't want any of it. That's freedom. It's not restrictive. I'm not afraid of it. There's no anxiety. It's literally just sugar sitting next to me and it having no effect. Oh my gosh, actually, that's so funny. This, I love this. There's actually a, um, old school sugar canister right in front of me, like to put on oatmeal or, you know, cereal or whatever. Um, this is how I know I'm, I'm not addicted to sugar. I'm not sitting here with a spoon eating the sugar. Like it's just sitting there. Anywho, um, definitely check out the links in the show notes and get started on imperfect eating, um, 80% off. All right guys, take care.